Hey, good morning once again, Calvary Church. Isn't it beautiful to hear English and Spanish mixed together here this morning? I love it. I love it. Gloria a Dios. Um, there's a heart language that each of us grew up in or prefer or how we pray, how we relate to God. But praise God that God is bigger than one language. Amen? that God is the master and the author of every language and hears and receives every language. And so we're here to celebrate that here this morning. Today we continue our series on the vision of Calvary Church. This is who we want to be if someone were just to parachute down into this church and, and say, okay, what are the values of this place? What's important to this group of believers in Jesus? We would want these type of things to be our markers. And today, we want to talk about the idea of being one. Everybody hold up a one. Number one, right? <laughs> Although the kingdom says to be first is to be last, actually. <laughs> but we want to be one. We want to be a united family. That when we gather on this campus and then are sent out on mission, we do so as one. And so I have the privilege of sharing this morning along with my wonderful colleagues and friends. Courtney Dowdy, our high school pastor, is going to come share with us in a couple minutes, which will be wonderful. And we also have Victor Milan, who is one of our Hispanic pastors, who will be coming up and sharing. So we're going to just kind of tag team throughout uh, this message. But I do want to give just a little family business as we are a family that's united and one. Uh, maybe you heard on social media, but our own, our senior pastor, Eric Wakeling, was in a pretty bad bike accident on Friday. And so I want to just invite us to be praying for him. In fact, Eric, I know that you're probably watching right now from home and, and, and we just love you, my brother. And we're just praying for you to get well soon and, and to have the pain managed. So Eric was training for a, an Ironman next month. And so he was down at Back Bay in Newport on Friday got cut off by another bike, went over the handlebars, was knocked out, taken by ambulance to the hospital and ended up having a broken collarbone and a concussion. And so just be praying for him, be praying for B, his wife, as she takes care of him along with the girls. And so um, Eric, we love you, man. Um, get well soon. And then also just in family business, um, maybe you haven't heard this news yet, but retired pastor, one of my heroes, my mentor, Fred Morris went to be with Jesus on Friday. So Fred faithfully married to Carolyn for 63 plus years. Can you imagine that? 63 years walking together in marriage and walking longer than that as a believer in Jesus Christ. And to more, according to my estimates, over 45 years serving the life of the family here at Calvary. In fact, just raise your hand if you're here physically in the room. How many of you have been impacted by Fred Morris? Yes, incredible. Remember when my wife Marie and I had a miscarriage? We really hadn't told anybody. It was all just kind of an overwhelming situation. And there was Fred somehow finding his way into the hospital to pray with us right before surgery. Just incredible. And so Fred is one of my heroes. He's with Jesus today. And so we celebrate that. But I want to pray for Carolyn and his family. And I also want to pray for Eric right now. So can we just come together as one family and lift up these needs? 
Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather physically and on screens here this morning. God, may you supernaturally, by the power of your Holy Spirit, unite us, not only this morning, but beyond this, God, on mission for you as Calvary Church. Lord, we just lift up Eric to you right now. God, we don't understand how this happened or why this happened, but God, we trust you. God, may you be show your faithfulness to Eric and to B and the girls. May you just give him wisdom on how to manage the pain and would you heal him quickly. And Father, I just thank you for Fred's life, the impact, the ministry that he had for your name. All glory to you, God. God, would you be with Carolyn and the kids and grandkids right now? Lord, as they uh, just mourn and yet look to you for hope, be enough for them. And so I pray this in Jesus. And we said, amen, amen. So we're talking about being one today, being united. Earlier this summer, I had the opportunity to go to a baseball game with my friends Dave, Jeff, and Greg. It had been the first time I'd been in a stadium in over two years due to COVID, obviously. Maybe you experienced something like that this summer. And I was so taken back by a stadium full of people that I just pulled out my phone and I took uh, this video. Some of you Dodger fans, it's a little painful to revisit that right now. We'll move on from that. But, uh, but a stadium full of people all united together, all one, cheering on their team. There's something that's just incredible about being part of that. Even if you're not a big sports fan or even a fan of that particular team, when you're in that stadium and something amazing happens and, and the whole crowd is like, don't you kind of just get swept up in it and you kind of feel like, yeah. It's just this feeling of being united. But then the game ends, you pack up your stuff, you head to the parking lot, and suddenly the united harmonious feeling that you felt inside the stadium changes, doesn't it? And no longer do you hear word number one, often you see a different finger that is raised <laughs> in those parking lots as everyone becomes out for themselves. It's a race to get out of that stadium in the three or four exits that, that are available. And you know, this is really true of anything apart from Jesus that we get united in. We, we can feel temporarily together, we can feel one, we can feel united, but anything apart from Jesus won't last. Eventually it breaks down and our selfish nature takes over and that oneness, that fellowship is broken. And yet, even with those that are following Jesus, that center our lives on Jesus Christ, often we can become like the stadium parking lot. Let me explain. In the 1800s, there was a church in Kentucky and there was two elders of that church that began to have a brutal and deep disagreement over not just one thing, but lots of things. Finally, in this small church in rural Kentucky, everything broke out when one of the elders decided that they needed a hat rack 
in the back of the church. So he took it onto himself to build a pegboard at the lobby or the foyer of the church where the men, as they walked in the 1800s, could put their hats. The other elder was vehemently against this idea of having a hat rack in the church. It caused such an uproar that this little church in Kentucky split. And this new group of people started a new church. And this was the name. I, I'm not joking around. The name of the new church was the Anti-Peg Baptist Church. <laughs> I wish that was just reserved for Kentucky in the 1800s. But it's not, is it? A lot of times we can feel united in moments like we're in a stadium, but then we can also feel like we enter the parking lot as followers of God. Today is Halloween. We have light the night tonight. And uh, it's also Reformation Day. It was 504 years ago that Martin Luther, on this day, courageously nailed the 95 Theses to the door in the Wittenberg church, basically saying, here's the reforms that the church needs to enter into. The church has become corrupt. It's walked away from the word of God. And he nailed it to this small church in Wittenberg, and it ended up exploding over, really, the entire world. This is a church in Hernut. Germany, if I can get there. It's a small church. Uh, you maybe would even drive by it if you were uh, in this area in Hernut today. But this church has significance because about 120 years after Martin Luther nailed those theses to the door, this church and this small town in Germany became a sanctuary for those that were being persecuted by the government. They were facing all kinds of rules and regulations for how they would gather as a church. And so they fled to this kind of small area in Germany, Hernut, Germany, and began to gather together. And for a couple years, this group of followers of Jesus was united. They were one as they experienced persecution. But eventually, after a few years, the government moved on to other things, and, and this church, really, the, the persecution ended, and, and it became more of a peaceful place. And then the believers in Hernut began to experience arguing with themselves. No longer with the mission to withstand persecution, now they're just left to each other, and they begin to say, I don't like the hat rack in the back of the church. And so this church was really at this point where it was going to break up. After being faithful under persecution, they're at the point of a split. Finally, there was one leader in this town. And he said, men and women, we need to humble ourselves and get on our knees and depend on God in prayer. And so they began praying, not just on Sunday mornings, this small church in Hernut began praying seven days a week. In fact, at one point, it was 24 hours a day. And they had different shifts that were going on. It started this Moravian prayer movement that lasted over 120 years in this 
small town. For 120 years, they prayed seven days a week, almost 24 hours a day. And they came to this conclusion. I love this quote. The Moravians had learned that the secret of loving the souls of their fellow man was found in loving the Savior of man. Isn't that good? That's how we become less of stadium parking lot Christians and back into being united as one. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Last book in the Bible. Turn with me specifically to chapter 7, verse 9. Revelation, if you've gone to the maps and the concordance, you've gone too far. Thank you for the polite laughter. (laughs) I just simply want to read verse 9 of chapter 7 to you. In the beginning of Revelation, it says you'll be blessed when you study and read this book in the Bible. And so I pray that we as a church are blessed, encouraged, strengthened, challenged by even our quick dive into Revelation here. Revelation 7, 9 simply says this. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, after these things, I looked. Little context here. This is the disciple John. He has this vision into heaven, this supernatural vision of the reality of heaven. In verse 9, it goes on, it says, And behold, a great multitude which no one could count. So John sees this vision in heaven, and it's massive amount of people, more people than, than he could ever count or, or even dream to count of. And it says that this massive amount of people came from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every ton. Isn't this incredible? Every nation, people, tribe, ton. That means that in this look into heaven, there are people that are speaking Farsi. There are people that are speaking Korean. There are people that are speaking Chinese. There are people that are speaking Spanish. There are people that are speaking English. There are people that are speaking Swahili. And then everything in between. And it says that they came from every ethnic group. So every ethnicity is represented in this massive group of people. And look what they're doing. It says, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. So this massive amount of people, they're all together. They're speaking every language. They're from every ethnicity. They're from different tribes. And they're all wearing white. And they're having in their hand palm branches. It's a little bit of a weird scene, but as you read further into chapter 7 here, you see that this was most likely those that had been persecuted during the tribulation. So they had come to faith in Jesus after the rapture. And they had placed their faith in Jesus, stood strong and firm and faithful to Jesus, and then had been rescued by the Lord. And then Jesus gathers them all together and they're wearing robes of white, not because they're so good, but because the blood of the lamb has washed them clean. Church, 
If you place your faith in Jesus, the blood of the lamb has washed you clean. Amen. That's such good news. And so here you see them all around what? Keep reading here. It says, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. They're all gathered around the lamb. Our oneness is centered on Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, unity doesn't equal uniformity. They're all wearing white robes cleansed by Jesus, but it notes that they have different ethnicities. They're from different tribes and nations. They speak different languages. So we can take from that that in heaven, we don't check our ethnicity at the door. There's something about our uniqueness and our distinctiveness that matters to God and that we bring to heaven. I want us to understand that and to know that. So don't shy away from how God has made you or how God has made your neighbor. They may look different from you. They're gonna be in heaven if they know Jesus. They may speak different than you. They're gonna be with you in heaven if they know Jesus. They've been washed by the lamb. But notice that we're not staring at each other. Like, oh wow, look how you look, look how I look. Look where we're staring, at Jesus. The gaze is on Jesus. The key to being unified and being one is to look to Jesus. I talked to Carolyn Morris, Fred's wife on Friday, a few hours after Fred had passed away. She said, Matt, it was beautiful. Got to be with him as he was going into the presence of Jesus. She said this profound word. She said, I was staring at Fred's face, thinking about the fact that he was now staring at the face of Jesus. Wow, amazing, amazing. Church, if we're gonna be united, if we're gonna somehow sustain oneness, it's not gonna be just cheering on the same team and then going to the parking lot. It's gonna be fixing our eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna invite Courtney up, but let me pray. Father, may you by your spirit supernaturally allow this to happen at Calvary. We pray this in your beautiful name, amen. Howdy. Oh, that meant some. Some high school ministry people were in the room. This, this, this feels good. It feels good. Good morning, Calvary Church. I'm Courtney Dowdy. I'm the high school pastor here. I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. I, I want to share with you something that someone shared with me that legitimately changed my life. They told me everything was created on purpose with purpose. Literally everything. That phone in your pocket, it didn't just come out of an accident. The seat that you're literally sitting in right now, it's not a a reaction of happenstance. No, everything was literally created on purpose, with purpose. You were created on purpose, with purpose. And so was your neighbor. Actually, can you do me a favor and just turn to your neighbor and remind them that they were created on purpose, with purpose? Felt good to hear, right? Yeah, it's, it's a good feeling. Every day 
it seems like there's something or someone that's trying to convince us that that reality is not actually true. Maybe you dropped your coffee this morning. Maybe your friend got up here and reminded you yet again that your team didn't make the World Series and you're still grieving <laughs> about that. I don't know. Okay, that could just be me. I don't know. Maybe someone else in this room. But <laughs> the beautiful thing, friends, is that it doesn't matter what that looks like for you. That's something that's trying to threaten that reality. Our God is still a purposeful creator. And everything he does and his purposes are always good. He, he believes that so much so that he does, he goes to incredible lengths to try and preserve what he's purposefully created. He goes to incredible lengths. Like division, which is the opposite of oneness, legitimately, it works adamantly against God's purpose for us. It works, it's, it's terrible. Instead of letting division have a final say, instead of just saying, oh, that's just the way it's going to be. No, God does something about it. Ephesians 2.14 says that Christ brought peace to us. Christ brings peace. Christ puts division to death, literally bringing the outsider, the traditional outsider and the traditional insider together in harmony. He tears down the wall of hostility himself by means of the cross. That's who this God is. Christ tore that wall down for one purpose, and that purpose is of building one family, a family that's not hostile towards one another. I realized that I walked up here without the remote, um, and I know you told me not to do that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I was nervous, guys. I was nervous. Okay. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, brother. All right. Okay. Now we got that out of the way. We're all good. Everyone's good? Okay. <laughs> Our oneness comes from being in God's family with fellow citizens. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 19, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you have done or what you did not do, because of your faith in what Jesus has done, you're no longer foreigners, no longer strangers. No, you are citizens. Citizens in his family, God opens the door to his home. He, he sets a seat and a place for you at his table and says, no one belongs here more than you. You have to be a member of his family. I have been decorating my new place. It's one of my new favorite things to let Target and Home Goods tell me what I need um, because of course they know. And at some point they told me, hey, you need a doormat because I can't have a front door without a doormat, right? I, as I was looking, you guys, y'all, I came across this doormat that legitimately said, welcome to our home, please leave by nine. Someone in this room might have this right now and no judgment, we're a family, that's fine. I'm just wanting you to know that we know that this, what this communicates. If I show up and I see this, you're telling me, hey, my dear beloved guest, we're grateful that you're here, but please gather your things promptly by 8.59, earlier works too. That's all we're saying. I see this and I wanna make myself smaller. I don't wanna to touch anything. I was like, I don't wanna be a burden as a guest. I don't know if you actually wanted me to come over here. When Jesus invites, when God invites, he doesn't invite us in as temporary visitors. We're not 
just guests in his home. He isn't politely waiting to tell you to wrap it up. He's not bothered by your presence. He's not annoyed that you're there. When he says welcome, he's actually saying welcome home. To your home. Please come in, kick your feet up, take your shoes off. Your brothers and sisters are in here and we're so excited to spend time with you. That's the invitation that, that he actually gives us. And the implications are major for us, friends. He welcomes you and your neighbor in as a son, as a daughter that belongs in that home. Your siblings belong there with you and you belong with your siblings. That's your siblings with different interests than you. Your siblings that have different bank account numbers than you do. Your siblings that have different levels and capacities of mental and physical abilities. Your siblings of different genders and races. Your siblings of different generations. They all belong with the God that invites them to follow him in faith. He says, there's a space for you at that table. And I know that sounds idealistic or like a nice idea, but here's how I know it's possible. Because Paul continues in his word, verse 20, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Some key phrases listed in that church values journal that you still probably have somewhere says God is building us into a spiritual house with the most reliable cornerstone, the most unbreakable foundation, Jesus. And he's building that with a purpose because what he builds will be a source of healing for division in this world. That's also really good news. It truly is. God is at work and we are in process of becoming the work that he is doing. Us becoming one is God at work. He's inviting us to embrace a life as he's building it for us to enjoy. A life where we're in a healthy united but not uniform, but still harmonious family. And it's really beautiful when you see it. It truly is when you know what it looks like. Can I just introduce you to some of your little brothers and sisters really quickly? They're amazing. These are our high schoolers that were up at Hume Lake in 2021, and my goodness, do I love these humans. Aren't they the cutest? <laughs> Literally, look at them. Um, our worship leader, Brian, took this photo, and it's like my background on everything, just because I love them so much. Okay, but I got three minutes, gotta stay focused. <clears throat> I see God and his work being accomplished in and through my friends, my little brothers and sisters, every single day. Anytime I tell someone I work with high schoolers or students full time, they say, oh, wow, bless you. <laughs> Teenagers are hard. And I'm like, I'm no fool. I, I receive the blessing, absolutely. But these are my little brothers and sisters. They're incredible. 
And, and because of my proximity to them, because really of my, the team of adult leaders and investment and care for these incredible humans, I see them growing in Christ's likeness every single day. And I'm growing in Christ's likeness because of my relationship with my little brothers and sisters. We're learning from one another. It seems that God has brought us together on purpose so that at the end of, end of our relationship, when we get into heaven, we look more like Jesus. I need them to look more like Jesus. They need me to look more like Jesus. They need you to look more like Jesus. It's a beautiful thing that I see them. High school is typified as this place that has a lot of division or cliques. And no, I have not fixed those because I, I, I just haven't. But I will, I will say... <laughs> I see them growing. I see them becoming more and more each day. When we asked our high schoolers just recently, hey, what are you noticing in, in HSM? Why do you keep showing up? And he said, well, this feels like a place where I really am belonging. This feels like a place where I'm really genuinely welcome. Not because of anything that I'm doing. I'm not doing anything special. Uh, but because they actually are choosing to pursue familial relationships with the other people in the room. They're choosing to look at one another as if they are actually their brothers and sisters. And then I sat and listened to my little brothers and sisters intercede for their other brothers and sisters in every single room in the underground. And I'm like, only God can do this. Only God could encourage them to actually see that they, although they are so different, they're so different, that they could pursue oneness and that oneness was purposeful. I, I genuinely believe that that's what we have to keep in mind when we think about this, friends, is that God's purpose for this is because he has a big vision for his creation. Friends, how big is yours? Family, how big is ours? I'd love to pray for you right now and just invite all of us in this room to allow God to expand our vision for what he wants to do with our creation. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. God, we pray that you would expand our hearts to look more like yours. We love you. We trust you with what you're doing in us and through us. In your son's name, amen. Muy buenos días. Familia. Family, brothers and sisters, me, your brother, like it or not. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. We are brothers and sisters. You're my sister in Christ. Matt, my brother in Christ. All of you, mis hermanos y hermanas en Cristo. We actually have a lot more in common than we do that divides us or that separates us or that even makes us unique. What I'm going to share is going to reiterate some of the things that Matt and Courtney have already said. And I want to start us off by that journal that she mentioned that you all have good students. And towards the end it says, the Bible declares diversity as a picture of eternity with every tribe, 
and tongue worshiping Christ in the end. We are doing something here on earth today that is in anticipation of what is to come. We are doing something today in anticipation of what is to come. So what have we done today already? We have prayed together. We have acknowledged God, our Heavenly Father, Jesus, our Heavenly Savior, the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer. It goes on to say, so we live united as one with a shared citizenship, participating in God's kingdom, work and longing together for our King's return. Longing together for our King's return. Is that longing in you, brother and sister? I sure hope so. And if not, my prayer is that after today, we will have that longing together as one body. Many members, but one body. So being created in the image of God, it means that we were created for fellowship, that we were created for relationship, that we were created for community, as in the perfect relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God. So therefore, we get our concept of oneness. You know, even the most introverted person still needs people. There's this cute little TikTok or Instagram. It's really short, and, and they do it with puppies. They do it with babies, but it's a cute little voice. And they look outside, and they go, uh-oh, people. Maybe you've seen it. You come to the church, to Calvary Church, and we've heard again this morning, we are the church. And what are you going to encounter in the church? Uh-oh, people. Gente. But more than just people, it is familia. Mis hermanos, mis hermanas. You know, this pandemic that we're still not completely out of yet has reminded us how important community is and how much we need that community. Because a pandemic spread us apart and locked us down. You know how sometimes we don't know what we have until we lose it or until it's taken away? The pandemic did that to us for a while, but no, what did we do? We fought, we moved forward, we found ways as it was safe to regather. Why? Because of this, look around you. Community with your hermanos y hermanas. And speaking of family, well, we have the holidays upon us. And all of us are so excited to have those family gatherings, or are we? You know, sometimes, sadly, unfortunately, these times of the holidays are the times where anxiety increases. And then, it's, I don't have uh, statistics, but it's documented that even after the new year, there's a rise in depression. I don't know how that makes sense. But maybe, just some thoughts. Maybe because we have idealistic, Norman Rockwell type of expectations, Everything's going to be perfect, and so when we capture that photo, 
Everybody smiles. But what has social media taught us? We can smile for a moment, and then it disappears instantly. We have this battle, this struggle within us. We long for community. We long for oneness. And yet we, so much so that we fake it even on social media. <laughs> All right, amen. I'm just saying, what if in this new year we took pictures of our fights and arguments? What if we put selfies of like, mm, well, I just spent time with these ugly people known as my family, but... I mean, gente, hay que pensar. But no, of course we wouldn't dare. You know, sometimes we shy away from calling things what they are. But what it is is sin, brothers and sisters. It's ugly. Broken relationships, what is the cause? Sin. When we insist on our opinion, the sin of pride, arrogance, I must be right. It's not a six, it's a nine. No, it's a nine. No, it's a six. <laughs> Amen. It's sin. Sin, but I'm saved by grace. Yes, absolutely, we're saved by grace, and we know that the Spirit is willing but the flesh is? Oh, you know that, huh? Jose, this darn flesh. That flesh that gave me anxiety so much that as I was coming up here, I thought their ADD or my ADD, someone's ADD, is going to mess with me this morning. <laughs> and you think that? No, you think that's bad? Try a Spanglish ADD. What language am I preaching on this morning? Or in, or on or in. Anyway, the same thing can happen in the church. The same thing can happen in the church. We're called to love each other, but we don't. Or we're very selective. We say we want to love like Jesus across all cultures and generations. But do we? I can, and it's awful that I would even have to say this out loud and confess it for myself. I, I'm still learning that. I think I do love, you know, like Jesus, or, or I want to love like Jesus across all cultures and generations, but you know what? I'm even selective which generations. There's some age groups that me no like so much. <laughs> and then some that are just, I, I can be the most Jesus to a little baby who can't speak their mind yet. <laughs> I'm so like Jesus, but the moment they speak their mind, ay, Dios mío. <laughs> Why? Because the moment they speak their mind, they also speak their preferences. And whoever taught them to say no to you? Have any mom and dad ever here taught their kids how to throw a tantrum? How to rebel against you? Okay, mijo, this is what's going to happen. When mom says you get the cookie after dinner, you say no. No, we are wretched from the very beginning. And that wretchedness still kind of sneaks up on us sometimes. 
My passage is John 17, 20 through 22. Our oneness is a witness to a watching world. As you open your word, as you turn to, the, to um, John 17, 20, 22, I want you to think and remember that you are holding in your hands the very words of Christ as he spoke them to the Father, as he prayed. In this personal prayer, powerful and confident of the outcome, Jesus was thinking about you, and he was thinking about me. Let that sink in. This isn't just story. It's his story. It is your story. It is my story. Jesus prayed that we as believers would come and think and be like him and the Father. We don't need to wonder if he had our times in his mind. Of course he did because he is omniscient. He knew that we would be torn apart by politics. He knew that. He prayed that racism, inequality, differences, some even petty, like the peg for the hat. So read with me, please, John 17, where it says, starting in verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. You see, when you read that, for all who will ever believe, that was you and me he was praying for. And guess what? Please, let's all leave this morning knowing that still there are some that are yet to come, and Jesus prayed for them. And he said that they would do so through their message. What message? What is the message that you and I convey? He goes on to say, pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one. Who's they? You and me. And our brothers and sisters who are not with us today but maybe have met already this morning. Our Mandarin-speaking brothers and sisters who will have their service across here at 11 and those that are still yet to come. But we have this sin, we have this problem, and we need to be reminded just even as they did. Romans 14.10, Paul says, he was asking the church in Rome, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do we pass judgment on each other? Do you despise? No, our vision is that we love, not despise. 
When Jesus prayed for unity, he offered the grace to do that. That's why we can say it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who broke down sin and the walls of anything that would separate us. So we need to stay with Christ. He said, I have given them the glory you gave me. What is that glory? The glory of his witness, his work, his mission on earth. What he did in those three years of his ministry, turning the world upside down through love. Crossing all barriers cultural barriers. For him, it didn't matter, male or female. Remember his encounter with the Samaritan woman. Love was his mission. They saw that. We've read it, and we can experience it. We have the Holy Spirit in us and his word to remind us of that glory. Do you remember when you received the gospel? It was probably wonderful and glorious because you got the bad news first. Otherwise, it wouldn't be good news. And what's the bad news? That we have all fallen short of the glory of God. That our hearts are deceitfully wicked that we're awful and we're ugly. So that's your pep talk this morning. <laughs> no, but seriously, the gospel, the gospel, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died, in the, died on the cross, taking your place, taking my place, paying for our sins on that cross. And then defeating death through the resurrection after three days. We remember that every day, not only on Easter. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. Every Sunday is Easter because every Sunday we celebrate and we follow a risen God, a risen Lord, a risen Savior. I have given them. He has given us that glory. See, now the world is watching. But is the world seeing different witnesses or one united witness? Different agendas, different opinions, or one singular, like Pastor Matt said at the very beginning, one in Christ. So after he broke the bread and before he offered up his body, he prays for unity for all who believe so that the world may know. Why do you now come to church? Why do you now serve? Why do you now engage? Because we want to tell the world 
that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and he wants to be their Lord and Savior too. Not that our church is cool and awesome because, but that we want them to receive the gospel, the good news that'll save their souls for eternity. So that whether he come for us or whether we go to him, like our brother did on Friday. I got chills to the thought of his wife looking at his face and thinking that he was looking at God's face. Our longing for that should also give us a longing that others would know. So I want us to celebrate. I want us to celebrate because I think we really are moving in that direction. I think it's marvelous to be at a church where the elder board is representative of everyone who's here. And they're moving forward to that. The ministry staff, the pastoral staff, the, the, all the support staff becoming more diverse. But not just for the sake of diversity, not for the sake of numbers or representation, but because we are getting that this is, we are one in Christ. This is the community that we live in, the community that we serve, the community God has called us to, to serve together as one. We have multilingual ministries and services. Why? Because we need to. We need to have those that speak Spanish so they can minister to those who don't speak English but speak only Spanish or are more comfortable in the Spanish language. We have our brothers and sisters who speak Mandarin, who oftentimes collaborate with us. Why? So we can reach a community that also speaks Mandarin. We provide, we, we provide uh, language translation uh, um, uh, in different languages. The purpose of ESL the purpose of sign language, not just for the sake of the diversity, but to understand and to work and to function and to move forward. We heard about the pantry, we heard about the ESL classes, and then light the night. How appropriate. An opportunity to show the world, a couple thousand at least, are going to come onto our campus. I hope you're going to be here. And while we're going to be working in different places, I hope that the world can see that we've got one mission, and that is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and to make him known, to truly be a light in darkness. Are you with me? So let's pray. Let's pray like Jesus prayed. Heavenly Father, I pray that we may be in you as you are, in Jesus as Jesus is in you. I pray that we may truly be one so that the world would believe that you, Heavenly Father, sent Jesus. That Jesus that saved us, that redeemed us, that gave us hope. 
I pray, Lord, that we would learn to pray and to think and to love like you. In Jesus' name, amen.